If you'll take your Bibles tonight and turn to Philippians chapter 3, or chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, we'll read a portion of Scripture, and then we'll go into the message tonight. Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse number 11, the Apostle Paul is speaking here. He says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all in the bound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. And then verse number 19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the precious word of God that you've given to us. We thank you for the Apostle Paul that you've used him to write this letter to the Philippian church. And Lord, the rich instruction that we receive, not only, uh, Lord, for that church, but also for ourselves. And Father, we just pray that your Holy Spirit now will be our teacher and our guide in this message. Father, the truths that are here that we need to examine and apply, we ask your God for the leading of your Spirit. And Father, every spiritual need, whether someone here that's not even saved tonight, I pray that you'll just bring conviction. Show them, Lord, they need to put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. Father, I pray for Christians who are struggling in their life. I ask God that you'll just comfort them tonight through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, through the preaching of your word. But, Father, we're just asking that most of all that you'll be glorified. The Lord Jesus will be lifted up. And we'll thank you for what you accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the Philippian church, a church that was started on one of his missionary journeys that we read about in the book of Acts. Uh, the, book, the, the, the Philippian church was a church located in the area of Macedonia. In fact, in, in Acts chapter 16, if you'll turn here just for a moment, we have plenty of time for the message tonight, so I'll slow down just a little bit and try to get it in. But it's important for us to understand that the Philippian church was a church that was located in Macedonia and started by the Apostle Paul. In Acts chapter 16 and verse number 9, talks about a vision that appeared to Paul in the night. It says, There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over unto Macedonia and help us. You see, Paul was endeavoring to go to another place. I mean, but also Paul was so excited about preaching the gospel that he wanted to tell everyone, it didn't matter who or where, he was just ready to go just anywhere. But we see here that God had specific instruction for him, and by way of a vision, which he doesn't speak that way now, he speaks through the Word of God, 
But by way of a vision, the Apostle Paul was instructed to go to the area of Macedonia. And if you look down in verse number 12, we can see something about Philippi. It says, And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. Now, that's very significant to this message that we understand that Philippi was located in Macedonia. But we want, we'll go back to our text that we just read in Philippians chapter 4. I want us to concentrate on number, verse number 19, which tells us of the wonderful, wonderful blessing that God provided for the church of Philippi. You see, Paul is writing this letter of thank you. The church of Philippi had been willing to provide a special gift for him, not just once, but several times, we're told. And this is such a blessing to Paul. And by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul wrote back a letter thanking them for that and in giving them some rich instruction that I believe that we can all apply to our lives. But it says there in verse number 19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, that's a promise that every one of us as believers need to be able to claim. Now, I don't believe every believer can claim that because I believe there were certain conditions in the life of that church and in individual members of that church that allow God to pour out this wonderful blessing. But think about the blessing that's there. It says, but my God, that's not talking about the government. That's not talking about some welfare system. That's talking about Almighty God, the supplier, the creator of all the universe, who is our supplier of every need that we have. You know, that's a promise that each one of us need to be able to claim. You see, we're facing some, uh, some uncertain times, to say the least. I think all of us are aware of that. And we don't know how, what things are, are ahead of us. But we need to understand that if we are living in a way that pleases God, the way the Christians were there at the Philippi were pleasing God, that I believe that we can claim this same promise in our own life. And Almighty God will be able or be willing to supply all of our need according to His riches in glory. Not according to the American economy, but according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, I want us to look at the church at Philippi tonight so that we can see some things in the life of that church that help us to understand why Paul was allowed to reveal this blessing to the church at Philippi by Almighty God. First of all, we can see that the church at Philippi had a willingness to suffer. Now, it's not by any chance or any mistake that God... Used your pastor to present a sermon on suffering this morning. And I thought it was very amazing, but God, God's in control. But we see, look at the church at Philippi. And we see that it's a church that was willing to suffer. Turn back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And we can see some instruction regarding the church at Philippi. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the church at Corinth. And he's saying there in verse number 1 and 2, he said, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Now, who is he speaking about? He's speaking about the churches that were started in the region of Macedonia 
One of those churches, indeed, was the church at Philippi, the letter that was written that we just read about. So we're talking about the church at Philippi is one of those churches. And verse number 2 says, How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. What is he saying there? The Apostle Paul is saying this. He's saying, Church of Corinth, I want you to see the grace of God that was bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia to witness that, to examine that, to to realize that that God is able to pour out grace upon His people. And notice what's happened there in the church church at Philippi and the other churches at Macedonia. It says, How that in a great trial of affliction... They were going through great suffering. That's what the Bible tells us. They were a church that were enduring the suffering of persecution that was going on at that time to all true churches in that particular time. But they had a willingness to do that. I mean, they they were willing to stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ. If you study history, you know that Christianity was not popular with the Roman government who was in charge at that time. If you were a Christian, you you were liable to lose your property. You were liable to lose your position in society. You were liable to even lose your life. You see, it was not a good thing or not a popular thing uh, to, to claim to be a Christian at that particular time or you were going to suffer great persecution. And I believe that's what... Uh, that Paul is referring to in, in, this, uh, in this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. They were going through a great trial of affliction. They had a willingness to stand up for Jesus, and as a result of that, they were suffering in the hands of the Roman government. Are we willing to suffer? You see, I believe that that's one of the conditions. I believe that's one of the reasons why God was so pleased with the people there at Philippi that he provided this wonderful blessing found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. You see, we need to be willing to stand up for Jesus and be willing to suffer whatever persecution that people will come against us with. The Bible says this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. It says, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake. You see, it's ordained of God. If you're going to, be, to name His name, the world's going to hate you. Jesus said that if the world hates me, it's going to hate you also. And so we can understand that suffering and persecution is a part of the Christian life. The Apostle Paul was talking to young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12. He said, And yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution for his sake. Now, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It says, shall suffer persecution. If you live godly for the Lord Jesus Christ, if you take a stand against sin and a stand for the name of the Lord Jesus, you are going to be hated by certain people of this world. And you will suffer persecution. But we need to expect that. And we need to understand that that's what God is pleased with. The Apostle Paul was willing to suffer persecution. And God used him greatly. Remember when Paul was saved on the road to Damascus. I mean, before that God was able to use him as a chosen vessel, 
he had to suffer the loss of all things that were important to his life. His great education now was not doing him any good in the public realm. His position as a Pharisee. Uh, all those things, Paul said that I was willingly suffer the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I might win Christ. Paul suffered for the name of the Lord Jesus. He was willing to do that. At the end of Paul's uh, uh, ministry, we know that when Paul was ready to go to Jerusalem and he had called the elders of the church of Ephesus together, he was speaking to them and, and telling them some instruction that they needed to follow in feeding the flock of God. But he also said that the the Holy Spirit had spoken to him and was telling him how that he would be suffering much bonds and afflictions. Paul knew about it. Paul knew that if he went to Jerusalem, he was going to have to suffer for Jesus. Do you know what he said? He said, but none of these things move me. Neither can I my life dear unto myself that I might finish my course with joy. You see, the Apostle Paul was willing to suffer for the name of Jesus. Are you willing to suffer for Jesus? When people make fun of you, when people don't like you, when your position in society is threatened, your, 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 your notoriety or whatever, your prestige or whatever is in your life, you know would be threatened if you took a stand against sin, if you took, stood up for the name of the Lord Jesus. Are you willing to suffer, uh, suffer persecution? I believe all my heart that we need to be willing to. Now, we've been so sheltered here in America. But I'm telling you, there's a day, I believe, that's coming. And it may not be very long when we're going to see some real suffering that some of the other believers around the world are already uh, uh, happening in their own lives. You see, this present... I shouldn't get off into politics. <laughs> but I'm going to tell me how you understand. Our present... Government is not friendly to fundamental Christian people. It's not. There's, it is not a friend to fundamental Christianity. And you see this thing about the fairness. You see this thing about intolerance. I mean, these are all smokescreen. And what they really want to accomplish is to silence Christianity. That's what it's all about. But folks, we're going to have to understand that we, as Americans, may have to go through suffering and persecution if we're going to take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. We just can't be silent and say, oh, well, I'll go to prison or I'll, go, you know, I'll be in trouble, I'll lose this or I'll lose that. Don't, we shouldn't be worried about that. The Apostle Paul wasn't. All the apostles were not worried about it. They lost their lives for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were very unpopular. We need to be willing to suffer for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing I can see that I believe is a condition for God's blessing that's found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, is that the church of Philippi had a willingness to serve God anywhere. Now listen to me carefully. In Acts chapter 19, verse 29, we're told about the account of the Apostle Paul and his missionary journey and how he went to the city of Ephesus and how that when he preached the gospel, the whole city was stirred up. And that's the way the Apostle Paul was. I mean, whenever he preached, they either loved him or they hated him. 
I mean, he, he wasn't in, right in the middle. He wasn't compromising any, in any way. Uh, he always stirred up a ruckus. That's what the apostle, that's what he did. Uh, just because he named the name of Christ. But he, but, but folks, we have to understand here in verse number 29 of Acts chapter 19. It says, and the whole city, talking about Ephesus, was filled with confusion. And having caught Gaius and Aristarchus, men of Macedonia, Paul's companions in travel, they rushed with one accord into the theater. Now, what, it's interesting to see two men's names mentioned here in Scripture, Gaius and Aristarchus. It's also interesting to see that these were men, where? Of Macedonia. Possibly members of the church of Philippi or like sister churches there in the region of Macedonia. But, but nevertheless, the point is this. These were men who were Paul's companions in travel. In other words, they sacrificed the comforts of their home. Uh, they, they sacrificed what they wanted to do in life. And they went with the apostle Paul wherever God led Paul to go to preach the gospel. They were Paul's companions in travel. They were willing to do that. You see, and that, I believe, is all my heart. That each and every one of us need to be willing to serve God anywhere. You see, it's important for us to be willing and, 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 and surrendered to the point that it doesn't matter where it is, that we're willing to do that as God wants us to do, as God, wherever God wants us to go. God is looking for people with that attitude. And let me tell you something. God will only use you to the fullest when you are willing to do that. Now, is everybody called to go to be a missionary? No. Not everybody's called to go to the missionary. And there needs to be good folks in the, in the local church. But I believe with all my heart that every one of us, each and every one of us, need to be willing to go. And I think we ought to volunteer to go. I really believe that. You know, Sometimes I, I, I'm kind of worried about American parents. And I was, we are parents. We have four children. But, you see, I believe that American parents and parents around the world ought to encourage their children, first of all, to give their lives in service to the Lord, to volunteer. And then, if God does not choose to have them do a particular, particular thing, have them go into some secular line of work. But you see, we've got it all backwards here. What do we do when our, when our teenager graduates from high school? We say, well, you need to turn in this application to this trade school or this technical school. You need to get this trade down. You need to be able to get a, a real a job and a career so that you can have a good living. Are you hearing me tonight? Folks, we need to, first of all, encourage our children to give their lives in service to the Lord. That's the most important thing in the whole world. You see, it's not how much money we get in life, what our bank account is, what our retirement fund's going to be. It's not going to be much, by the way. <laughs> it's what we do for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to be willing to serve God anywhere, first of all. You see, I think God will shut the door if he doesn't want you in a, on a mission field. He did to Paul. Paul tried to go to Asia. God shut the door. Paul tried to go to Rome. 
He said, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome. Well, God didn't let him go to Rome at that particular time. Paul went as a prisoner. Paul wanted to go there now. God shut the door. Don't you think that if if our children would volunteer to go to wherever God would have them to go, that if God did not want them in a particular place, that he's capable of shutting the door? Very capable. So why don't we encourage, number one, to have our children give their lives and say, Lord, I want to serve you anywhere you want me to go. You know, and as an encouragement to parents, when our, first, when our children were born in our home, you know, what a blessing children are. But my wife and I covenanted together from the time they were born. We prayed for them and asked God to take them and put them in somewhere where he could use them to the fullest potential. Full-time service is what we were praying for. And about, uh, I guess I was about age 44. And God woke me up and said, Marvin, you're praying for your children to go into full-time ministry. But are you willing to go? And I had to admit at that time I was not, I had not even thought about it. I had not even considered it. So, folks, we need to understand if we're wanting our children to go, and if we're encouraging our children to go, and we're praying for them to go, we need to also set the example and be willing to go ourselves. And I don't think you're too old to do that. It's never too old to give yourself completely to the Lord. Now, you may not have the physical health to go to a mission field, but your heart ought to be willing. Now, that's what God wants is our heart. Then he can control us. He can show us what he wants us to do. But the point is this. These people, Gaius and Aristarchus and others of that church, Epaphroditus, who brought the gift to the Apostle Paul, were men who had surrendered their lives and were willing to serve God in the very hardest places. Think about it. When Paul came to town, he stirred up a riot. He was either put into jail, he was beaten, he was left for dead. I mean, many times that happened. Don't you think those men knew that if they identified with Paul, that they were going to suffer some of the same persecution? Obviously, they did. They weren't stupid. But they were willing to do that. (laughs) They were willing to do that because they loved the Lord and they wanted to do what God could use them the most in doing. And that should be our heart's desire to do that very thing. A willingness to serve God anywhere. I'm preaching this because I'm really burdened. I really am. I read a statistic just the other day where three points... I believe it's, it's no, 6.7 billion people are alive today in the world. 6.7 billion people. That's a lot of people. That's, that's not quite uh, the, the uh, uh, stimulus package yet, but, uh, you know, <laughs> but 6.7 billion people. I can't even fathom that many people. There's that many people alive today in the world. 100 people a minute, over 100 die every minute. They die. Most of those people have never heard about Jesus. Let me tell you another shocking statistic. Did you know that in America, we have only 4% of the entire world's population? Only 4%. 
Did you know also that 93% of full-time Christian workers are ministering to 4% of the population? Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? And, and God may be, and what, you may be a full-time Christian. You might be exactly where God wants you to be, and thank God for that. But I'm saying this, that most of the world population is outside the shores of the United States. And we need to be willing to go if God would use us there. That's what I'm trying to get across tonight. God wants our heart to be willing we have so much, many needs over in Uganda, and I shared some of them this morning with you, how God has just opened a great door of ministry there. We can go right into public schools and preach the gospel. That's a freedom we don't have here in America. I mean, we, we, can, we can have a, 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 a radio broadcasting the gospel 24 hours a day. Uh, we can go and pass out tracts to any place we want to go in Uganda. It's not against the law. You see, we have much freedom and there's much opportunity to reach masses of people there in Uganda, but we need the laborers. Jesus said that the fields are white and the harvest. But where are the laborers? The laborers are few. We need other missionaries to come and help us to train preachers. To plant churches. We need someone that knows radio to help us to, get, to broadcast the gospel. And we need teachers to teach our children there that we're training to, for future preachers. We need all kinds of people to help us there in that great work. We can't do it ourselves. We realize that. We're dependent upon God sending forth laborers there. What am I saying that for? Is because. <clears throat> we need to understand that God wants us to be willing to serve Him anywhere. And if we want the blessing of God to the fullest, if we want to be able to claim Philippians 4.19, where God will supply every one of our needs according to His riches and glory, that we need to have the attitude that it's not my life that counts. The greatest cause in life in the world is not what about me. It's about the furtherance of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we get that in our hearts and minds, then all we can do then is say, Lord, take me and use me. I want to be a part of that greatest, greatest cause in life. A willingness to serve God anywhere. The third thing I can see in the church of Philippi was a willingness to sacrificially supply the needs of God's servants by faith. Back in our text in, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we've already read it, but I want us to reread it. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Talking about the churches of Macedonia. It says there how that in a great trial, verse number 2, of affliction and the abundance of their joy... And their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. It says, For through their power I bear record. Yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. What is that speaking about? 
that's speaking about those Christians there in the churches of Macedonia, which Philippi was one of those churches. And it's saying that those people were poor. They were in great affliction. They were suffering for Jesus. But they had great joy. (laughs) Isn't that amazing how you can have great joy in spite of all the suffering and poverty? (laughs) You see, our joy cannot be connected to the economy. We just can't. We just got to get over that. Our joy is in Jesus and serving Him. It says there that that it said to for for to their power I bear record, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. Paul had talked to these churches about giving a special offering for the poor saints in Jerusalem. They were suffering there in Jerusalem, and so Paul had talked to many churches around, and they were this these churches in Macedonia were wanting to have a part in that offering, to be a part of the Lord's work in helping other Christians. And so what they did, it says, to their power. That means what they were able to do. In other words, what they did, just like us, they put out down a budget. They said, well, I need this much money for tithe, number one. Secondly, I need this much money for rent, for food, for clothing. Uh, And then whatever's left, that's what I can be able to give. That's to their power. But then you see the, 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 these, these Christians there were not willing to just stop at that. For it says, and beyond their power. Now, there had to be another power involved there. That was the power of God. You see, they wanted to do more than that. And you know something? The more we want to do for God and are willing to trust Him by faith to do the more He wants to use us. He wants us to be, as we said, we just already sang the song, channels of blessing. That's what God wants us to be. He has a great resource and supply that's far beyond this world's economic system. And He wants to channel it through people who are willing of themselves to do that. But it says there that these Christians there were were willing to give uh, sacrificially. It's interesting. It had to be God doing it. You see, how can you get joy when you're going through great trial of affliction? There's no other way. But, what, but God is in it. How, how, how can you give liberality uh, to, to, to the riches of their liberality when you're in deep poverty? That's impossible. God has to be in this situation. And these people there in, in, in Philippi, were so involved in the work of the Lord, so desirous to have to lay up treasure in heaven and invest in the lives of people around the world. See, they, they, were, they were the ones that gave to the Apostle Paul in his missionary journey because Paul was winning souls that they could not reach. So they were, wanted to be such a part of that, God poured out this grace, verse number 1, and allowed them to be able to have that part. And I believe that that is one of the reasons why God was so pleased with them. They were trusting Him to be able to have a part in world evangelism. The heartbeat of God. And I believe with all my heart that is the reason why God made this wonderful, wonderful promise found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. A promise that He wants each and every one of us to actively claim in our lives. And a promise that I believe in the near future, 
that we're going to have to humble ourselves and claim that promise. We're not going to be able to depend upon our employer or the American dollar to have value. We're going to have to depend upon Almighty God for the supplier of all our needs. So what am I saying tonight? I'm saying in all love and consideration that you're a wonderful church and you're a wonderful pastor. And we thank God for you, all of you. We need to be willing to be like the church of Macedonia, be like the church of Philippi, and have that willingness to not only suffer, not, not only to serve God everywhere, but also to give sacrificially so that the work of the Lord can go on. What about you tonight? Do you have that desire? Basically, it boils down to this. God wants your heart. He wants your heart. If He has your heart, then He has everything else. He wants your heart tonight. Let's bow for prayer. Father in heaven, we're so thankful for the example we have seen in Your Scripture. Lord, how this church and certain individuals in the church who reflected the heart of the church, were willing to give of themselves to unselfishly provide for the needs of God's servants, to unselfishly give their lives in service anywhere you would lead them, who unselfishly stood up, sacrificed their homes and their jobs, so that the name of the Lord could be magnified in their life. Father, help us to be people like that. Help us, Lord, to have our hearts fully under your control. And we'll thank you, Father, for what you can do through us as your channels. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen, Pastor.